No, not Wes. Well, rest of you can turn your Bibles to Second Peter, chapter one. <clears throat> Love to invite you uh, to come tonight, five o'clock. We are continuing our study of the book of Revelation. We'll be in chapter six. The couple weeks ago, uh, last time I was here, we were in chapter five. What a powerful passage in Revelation chapter 5 and the uh, introduction of the Lamb who is worthy of opening the book, <coughs> the books, and uh, truly a powerful scene in heaven. And now chapter 6, we are going to start getting into the, uh, the, the tribulation period, and we're going to uh, see some of the... Uh, the wrath starting to be administered to the to the world for their rejection of Christ, and truly, I, as I was studying it, and, and I've I've preached through Revelation a couple of times and read it several times, but uh, it just really hit me uh, in studying it this week that uh, just the 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 power of of God's might, but but really, He doesn't even so much show his might in it. He just turns the world over to um, their desires, and and we just see how wicked and evil things can truly be uh, in that. And and we're going to see some of that tonight. So if you can come, would love for you to uh, be here. And I know I I I know there's a lot of unrest um, with with what's going on in Israel. It causes a lot of questions and. Sometimes I thought maybe I should preach a message on that today, but uh, can can I tell you something that you, you you're going to hear a lot of people uh, talking about the things that are going on and and the sign of the times and could be the last days and I, I don't know it, it could be but can I tell you that nothing changes for the believer? Our, our responsibilities are still what they've always been. We, we love the Lord, we love his word, and we love people. And we want to tell them the truth about Jesus. And, and we want them to know that Jesus is the answer. And, and I'm telling you that there are many people today that are fearful. There are people that are anxious. There are people that are depressed. There are uh, people that are angry. There are people that are bitter uh, in this world because really a lot of the things that they've placed all their faith and hope in is collapsed and uh, those things aren't what they used to be and and they're not finding that stability there any longer but as a believer the rock is still there and our in our feet are planted firmly on that rock and let's make sure that we just stay planted firmly on the rock of Christ and and know that if you have called on Christ to be your savior Get real with God, okay? I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm, I'm here to invite you to, to understand the, the self-sacrificial love that Jesus Christ has manifest to the entire world by going to that cross and dying for your sins and mine. And he showed us that he was God by raising again on that third day and having resurrected, and, and so because of that, then he has paved the way to heaven for anyone who will place their faith in Jesus. Call on him and trust him today 
as your Savior. Make certain of that before you walk out of here today. Have no doubts. Make certain that you know that you're on your way to heaven. And I'm telling you, there is nothing better than knowing that you're a saved individual and then knowing that if your home is in eternity and your home is in heaven, then just don't let these crazy things bother you. I mean, it's good to be aware and and it's good to, to pay attention, but uh, I, I, I had a good friend mention this this week, and, and it's such a good reminder. Stop listening to those who only want to point you to the Antichrist, but rather listen to those who want to point you to Jesus. You know, we can, we can drive people in fear and manipulate people in fear, and that isn't at all what we ought to be doing. We need to be pointing people to Jesus and and if you're new here today, I just want you to know that God loves you and that God wants to make certain that you know that you have eternal life. And if you do know that, then he wants you to walk out of here today confident in, in knowing and walking with God and knowing that he's got all things under control. He hasn't left his throne. He's still there. He's still in control. And he's got everything under uh, uh, his hand. And so remember that. Well, we get to Peter, and Peter writes this. This is his letter that he writes, somewhat like 2 Timothy. Paul wrote uh, 2 Timothy to Timothy right before he died. Well, Peter writes this Second Peter, the second epistle, the second letter that Peter has written. He writes this right before he dies. And so the things that he's writing here are, are things that are on his mind and, and things that they that he wants to make certain that people remember. And uh, we see that uh, he wrote 1 Peter in the same way. And, and, and in 1 Peter, he wrote about the, the problems that exist around us outside. Well, 2 Peter starts writing about the problems that are developing inside the church body and how we need to guard against those things and, and uh, be careful of, of those things that are going on around us. And and he shows us that the power to be able to handle the, 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 the false ideas and the false teachers that come or, or, or the ungodly ideas that are being manifest, the, the most powerful thing that you can do to protect yourself is knowledge. And it's knowledge in the true and certainty of God's Word and understanding what God's Word says and and so there are certain things that, that we ought to know, and, and that's what he does. He brings into remembrance, as we as believers today, that we need to remember and make certain that they are a part of our reality. And so he introduced himself in verses 1 and 2. He, uh, Simon Peter, he was a servant. He was an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, and, and he's writing to those who have uh, obtained like precious faith so he's writing to those that know christ is their savior that that should help you as we go through this book in in understanding who he is that he's writing to he is writing to those that know christ is their savior he's not uh this isn't so much an evangelistic book as it is an edifying book to the believer and so he's writing that to the believers and and uh, through the righteousness of god and our Savior. It's only through Christ's righteousness that, that uh, we are who we are. And, and then he prays and, and writes, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. And 
How do you get that grace and peace? But through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Knowledge is power. How do we get to know God? Through His Word. Spending time in His Word. Reading it and, and asking God every time you open the book that, Lord, give me something today that, that reveals to me more about who you are and more about who I am and, and what it is that I need to do in my life to draw closer to you. And through that, then we, we see that we start representing Christ's righteousness in our lives. And then he goes in and he, and he starts dealing with qualities that, that uh, we ought to have. According as his divine power, first of all, I love this, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Can I tell you that God is everything that you need? Your relationship with Christ is all that you need. He has given us everything that we need for this life. Isn't that good? He, he doesn't just prepare us for heaven, but he equips us for today and can use that in, in our lives. And, and, so, and it's through his divine power that he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And again, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. As we learn more about him, then we also learn more about how to live a life that honors and glorifies God. Not ourselves, but God. That's what we want. That's why I'm certain that you're here today. You want to know more about God, and you want to know more about uh, who he is, and, and learning more about yourself, and, and how you can draw closer to God. Well, that he tells us it's through the knowledge of God, and that comes through studying of God's Word, through the preaching of God's Word, the proclaiming of God's Word. By living God's Word, and people can see in your life the evidence of a born-again believer and can see your lifestyle, that it is different than the rest of the world, and, and they also can see it that way. But it's all about the knowledge, and, and He's called us to His glory and, and virtue, and, and virtue is that moral excellence it's the it's the morality that god has shown us in his word not morality that the world is trying to tell us is what's moral but the bible shows us what is moral and we live according to the word of god and what he has defined as morality and then he goes and and now he starts telling us and sharing with us some of those those keys and and uh of things that we ought to be doing in our lives. The, the, the Christian character, the powerful promises that, that God gives us. Uh, so, so we have in chapter 1 the format for power. If we're going to live in a way that honors and glorifies God, then we need to understand that that power comes through God. And in verses 1 and 2, we have that introduction. Verses 3 and 4, we have the powerful promises that he gives us. And whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. That's God's nature. So now we are sharers of that divine nature. And, and not only does it help us then to make the right kind of decisions for our lives, but it also starts equipping us to live in an ungodly world, but live godly so that people can see the difference. And and showing us, showing them that, and helping us to understand having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So let's 
get rid of the corruption that is in the world. And, and we need to understand, we have to live in this world. I understand that. But this world truly isn't your friend if you're a believer today. The world is a culture that is trying to lead you down a path that is full of fleshly ideas and, and, and truly led by uh, Satan himself. And so much of it is demonic. And so be careful with those things. But instead, we're living by the divine nature and, and we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, then, giving all diligence. And so now we see here, in, in starting in verse 5, we see some of the powerful promises that he's talking about. And, and here we see those promises are brought to a powerful practice. These are things we ought to be doing. And, and I believe it all starts here, as he says, that and beside this, giving diligence, add to your faith. So it all has to start with faith. It starts with a saving faith. Make certain that you know Christ is your Savior. Secondly, then have faith that God can do what He says that He will do in your life. And allow Him to do that. So often our faith is, is we'll, we'll trust Him for our salvation, but then we live however way that we want. It doesn't work that way. God wants us to trust Him with all things. And you'll find out that God is sufficient and that Whatever the trial is that you may be going through or are getting ready to go through, you can find that he will be sufficient to get you through it. And we have to trust him. And so what do we add to faith? Then he tells us that we add virtue. And that virtue is that moral excellence. And so we let God dictate to us what is moral. And we allow him to show us in scripture what's right, what's wrong. The, look, the, the culture is so confused today. I, I mean, think about where we've gone in just the last three years. The culture is constantly changing, and, and their definition of morality is constantly changing. I, 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 I was watching an interview this week where these two, the, they, were, they were in an interview, and, and this man was, was interviewing this lady, or I'm not exactly sure if the lady was interviewing the man, but... But she was saying that truly to be moral then, we have to accept every person's reality. Whatever they see as their reality, then if we're going to be moral and kind, then we need to accept whatever they see as their reality is real. That's lunacy. I mean, that, I, I'm, I'm not about offending people, okay? But... Your reality, you, you might, I, I don't know what, you, you know, somebody's, you know, they, they, can, the, they can tell you that the earth is flat, but that's not real, okay? It's not going to be real. It's not going to happen. And, and uh, so my mind just thought of all kinds of things. Mel, you do long-distance shooting. If, the, the, if it was flat, then... There, there wouldn't be the curvature in, in the trajectory of your bullet. I mean, there's, I, anyway, I got to quit on, you know, I can rabbit, you know, let's come up, you know, quit chasing the rabbit. But anyway, virtue is that, is moral excellence. And I don't need to go over these, we already did. But, and to virtue then, that moral excellence, then you add knowledge. You continue to add knowledge and understanding of God's word and understanding of who God is and and, and it's those personal experiences that you have with God that, that you start applying and, and, and bringing to bear in, in your life. And, 
And then you add to knowledge temperance, something that we all need to fight and control more is, is having self-control. It's like eating only six Krispy Kreme donuts instead of seven. That's, uh, that's temperance, right? <laughs> okay, <clears throat> let's move on, all right? But we add temperance. We add that, that control, the self-control into that. Then it brings a patience. And patience is endurance. You, and you know what it is? <clears throat> it's whenever you go through a trial that you can still look up and trust God. And by faith, you get through it. That's patience. God builds our faith so often by testing our patience. And he tests our patience through trials. And it's through those trials that we trust him. And we continue to look to him. And he gives us endurance and faithfulness through those times but we still continue to trust him and guess what it builds from that patience then we see that it brings godliness when we think about godliness it brings a higher devotion to god it's a high respect for god you find so often when you find god bringing you through those trials that that it gives you a new respect for god and and for his power and for his love and and, and knowing that, that we don't know why he's allowed certain things to take place in our lives, but we can still trust him, and, and, and through that we grow godlier in, in understanding that he has things under control, and, and he knows best, and, and that I, I'm one of the hardest lessons, but one of the best lessons that we've had is, is Kareth and, and Matt, which was hard enough, but now you got little James down there that... Uh, I mean, you're 1,400 miles away, and can I tell you that, that the best thing that, that this has helped with us in our trials is the godliness is understanding that, and I pray this often to remind myself, God loves them more than I do. And sometimes, whenever we're going through something, and many, many of you in here have lost a loved one, and, and, and you grieve for that, and that's okay. It's okay to grieve, and it's okay to, to, to miss that person. They were loved, and they're a big part of your family. But can I tell you that God wants you to be able to trust him through it and, and allow you to, to have patience in your life and, and, your, and your, um, your faith to grow stronger so that you can become godlier. And you can be an example to others around you to show them that God is truly real. And you know what it develops in you then is the next one, brotherly kindness. It helps you to be kind to people. That's something missing in our world today. I mean, I just drove almost 4,000 miles in two weeks, and, and there's a lot of unkind people on the interstate. I just want you to know that. That's why I do my best to stay off the interstate. Take all the back roads and where everybody waves at you. Or at least they look at you strange like, I don't know that truck. Who is he? You know, but there's there's just a lot of meanness out there, and there's a lot of bitterness. And let us let us move from that and show brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, it will develop into charity. And you know what charity is? It's loving people like Christ loved us. He takes us where we are, and and He's the one that died for our sins. He knew what you were before you were ever existed, and 
He knew the things that you were going to do. He didn't want you to do those things, but you did do those things. But guess what? He still loves you. And that whenever you sought him for mercy and, and you sought him for forgiveness and salvation, guess what he did? He does what he says he'll do. He saved you because he loves you. And nothing ever changes that. And so because of that, then we ought to have that love for one another. We ought to be developing that and letting that grow in our lives. And then he said, and this is where we ended, for if these things, all these seven or eight different attributes that he has listed to us, if these things be in you and abound, they need to, they, they need to be growing, okay? It doesn't mean that you achieve it. Yep, I got that one. We move on to the next one. No, it means you're going to be growing in all of those. And, and it never ends this entire lifetime that we have. We are continuing to grow in each one of those. And, and as they are abounding in us, that uh, they make you that you shall ne neither be barren. You're not going to be inactive, idle, or lazy. You're not going to, to be a, a tree that, like, I was so excited when we moved out here. This, I, I have this little orchard out here. Well, I obviously don't know anything about pruning or anything like that, but I got two whole apples out of about 12 trees this year. I'm getting ready to cut them all down. You know, it's like Abraham Lincoln in the cherry tree, you know. It'll whack them all down, you know. I mean, I was so excited. I mean, one year I had one peach. One. You know how hard it is to guard that one peach from 12,000 birds? You know, I keep hoping the deer will show up so I can get a crop damage permit. And I can shoot the deer eating the apple. And so, but what is a tree worth, especially a fruit tree, if they don't produce anything? Well, here he's saying that, that if you are doing these things, you are working on these things that God has pointed out, then you're not going to be barren nor unfruitful. You're not going to be unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In all of that, he's wanting you to know more and more and more about him, and that's how you, 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 you solve the problems of, of the, the false teachings, false ideas, or carnal ideas or whatever that might be trying to infiltrate into the church body, you protect yourself and you protect the whole church from that through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, verse 9, we hear now we have part of the, the powerful practices here. We need to understand some things here that, that there are also some consequences of if you're not doing these seven qualities that God has talked about, then he tells us, but he, now remember, he's talking to those who know Christ as their Savior. But he that lacketh these things. So they're not present in your life. They're not at your disposal right now. These things, those seven qualities that he mentioned, he is blind, he cannot see far off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Sometimes I think that's where we get, if we're not careful. It goes right along with what we saw this morning in our, in our Connections class, that daily we need to realize that we are dead to our old self and we're alive unto our new self. We've been crucified with Christ, right? Nevertheless, yet I live. And so we need to realize that and recognize that. And so 
he is talking to believers, so let's make sure that we are verse 8 and we are not verse 9. And if you're verse 8, then you are being productive and God is using you and and you're learning more about God and your faith is growing and and your love for one another is growing and and you're getting where where you ought to be today and 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 but if you're in verse 9 then then you're lacking these three, these three things and and there's first of all you're just blind the the one that's lacking these seven qualities he he's gotten to the point where he's not aware of what priorities he ought to have and he lacks any any kind of spiritual discernment with spiritual values you know what he's he's really he's just kind of come to the point where He's living more like his unsaved lifestyle used to be, where it's just day in and day out. He's just living for himself, doing his own things, and and that's that's and he's not even aware that and, and he's pushed God to the side and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in his life, where really he's to the point where he, he is getting himself prepared for chastening of God. And so be careful. But secondly, he's also short-sightedness. Whenever you think about that, I, 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 anybody here nearsighted? Yeah, I am too. I'm blind as a bat if I take out my contacts. And so, and as a matter of fact, I only have to take out one. I, I, I have mono vision is what I'm doing. I have this contact is for up close to read. This one is to see far away. Really jacks you up when you try to. I had to figure out how to shoot all over again. You know, you know. And so, but so I read up close with my left eye. I see far away with my right eye. If I take out my right contact today, you guys would all be pretty. <laughs> but here it's to the point where we're talking about a believer that has gotten short sighted, where now all they're focused on is themselves. That's it. They're, they're, they're not, and, and, not focused on the right things about themselves. They're focused on their circumstances that they're in. They're f- focused on their goals that they have. They're they're focused on just their life, and and they're just you know they're just in the rut, and they're and they're short sighted. They're not seeing the big picture. They're they're not seeing how God wants to use them. They're they're not seeing how their faith needs to grow. They're they're not seeing how they need to be expressing their love to others around them and telling others about Jesus and. All they are concerned about and all they are considering is, is the mess that they're in or the mess that the world's in and, and they're just mad about everything around them or they're anxious over everything that's, mad, that's going on. They're depressed over everything that's happening and, and they, have, they have lost the vision that God wants them to have as a child of God in living for eternity, not living for the here and now. They're short-sighted. And they cannot see afar off. And ultimately, and they have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You were cleansed. That, that purged is a one-time action. Okay, That happened whenever you called on Christ and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You were purged of your sins. How good is that? To think that you are forgiven. That all your sins... and we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And we have sinned. We still sin today. We're going to sin tomorrow. All of them have been forgiven and placed on the cross. That's what Jesus does whenever he forgives us. 
And sometimes we start living our lives and, and we start going back into our carnal ideas or, or maybe you just haven't learned enough yet and, and that's just how you're living and this is pointing something out brand new to you that, hey, I, need to, I do need to be different. I need to live differently. And so change your life. How do you change your life? By just obeying what God tells you. Just live according to his word. How do I learn that? Well, you come to church. You, you, you uh, read every day in the Word of God and ask God to point things out to you. You get on your knees and you pray and you talk to God and tell Him your insecurities, tell Him the issues that you're having in your life. Pray for your family and, and the fears that you have for them and, and turn them over to God and you'll find out that God will start strengthening you and changing your life. You know what's great about it? Not only will He change your life, but He'll change those around you in your own family. How good is that? And I, t I told them this in Connections class this morning. I didn't realize that the, the responsibilities I have as a grandparent, they're different than the responsibilities you have as a parent. And now you set an example. And really, the grandparent, many of you are the grandparents today, you know you do lead the way in your heritage. You're the one that sets the example of how do you want your children to live? How, what, what is your swan song? What is it that you want to write uh, so that your children remember? Do, they, do you just want them to remember you? Or do you really want them to remember the teaching that has made you who you ought to be? Well, that's what we want, right? And so it just is a realization to me that I never had before. And, and I need to set a right example and, and lead the way in the heritage and lead the way that, that my children see a, a godly father, that the grandchildren see a godly grandfather that has been consistent and faithful and honorable in walking the way that he ought to. And so we need to live in a way that is totally different than what we used to be. And so then he goes on and and he writes about his concerns with this. He says, wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence. So work at this, okay? Pay attention and make sure that you're, you're doing these things to make your calling. That's your salvation calling and your election. Talking about your salvation. And, and so, first of all, do business with God and make certain that you know Christ is your Savior. Don't play any games with it. That, that's... Uh, uh, way too serious to think that you're going to fool God. He knows everything in your heart today. You be serious with God and you make certain that you have trusted Him as your Savior. And then knowing that and making that sure in your life. And that's what He's reminding them of. And make your calling and election sure, firm and secure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. Ye shall never fall. Either one, stumble, okay? And that's an emphatic, you will never fall. Yet you're never going to stumble in your faith when you are actually doing diligence to make sure that you are saved. And how you make sure of that is you're doing the things that God has told you to be doing and the Holy Spirit will be reassuring you that you are a child of God. Because whenever you start being blinded and short-sighted in forgetting that you've been saved, the first thing that you're going to start doing is doubting your salvation because of your carnality. 
And so let's stop that and let's do the right thing. And let's walk in a way that, that God wants us to walk and, and live according to the powerful promises that he gives us. And then look at this one, verse 11, for so. And so indeed in this manner an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what that is? When, when you are working hard at, and that's what we do. We don't work hard for our salvation. We work hard after our salvation. We work hard at being what it is that God wants us to be. And we apply these seven qualities to our life. And we work at those to, to be what it is that God wants us to be. And sometimes you have to extend, if you're going to show brotherly kindness, then you're going to have to extend yourself out and show brotherly kindness. If you're going to love someone, then they're, they're really going to be pushing your buttons and, and you're still going to need to love them. You know, see, that's what the world tries to do. Satan will try to convince the world into thinking that churches are all judgmental and they hate you for your lifestyle. That isn't true at all. That's not true at all. We do love those that are in a different lifestyle. Absolutely. We want them to know that Jesus Christ loves them. Jesus Christ wants to change them just like he changes us. We don't accept the lifestyle because then that is letting society dictate to us virtue world isn't going to dictate to us what virtue is. God's word is. And so we're going to love them, but we're going to show them that that isn't virtuous. And we need to live in the way that God has made us and live according to his word and, and do those things. And that's where you will find joy. Changing your morality definitions is never going to bring you joy and satisfaction. But by living according to God's word, it will. And so, we, and so what do we do? Well, we get out there and we walk faithfully according to God's word. And here's, here's the greatest thing about it. You're walking along, you're being faithful, you're being honorable to God. You're, you're doing your best to keep close account of sin in your life. And, and then one day, your life is over. And as is appointed unto man wants to die after this judgment, right? We have an appointment. And our life is over, absent from the body, present with the Lord. How do we want to go in? Do, do we want to kind of like sneak in the back door of heaven, you know, and just walk in and, and leave it at that and, and think that, hey, this is how we all are going to get in there? Or do you just want to do your very best for God so that when you walk in, there are people there clapping that were saved because of your testimony. That the angels are rejoicing because they saw someone who wasn't perfect but was faithful and honorable in their life and in their walk. You see, I think that we need to understand here, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to live your life that God is pleased with. And you want to gain his attention. And you want his accolades. 
and you want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That you want him to be pleased with you in your walk. And, and that's the great thing. He doesn't expect perfection from you, but he really does expect you to be faithful and trust him. And so we trust him. And we walk and we do these things. And one day when we walk in, it can be a wonderful, wonderful gathering of those that we impacted for all eternity. What is our life about? Well, it's not about us. It's all about him. You see, Peter was definitely aware that his days were short. Nowhere do you see him saying, I want you to remember me. He said, I want you to remember what God says and what he wants to do in your life. Let people, die, let, let people remember you for not who you are, but by what you told them, not only by your mouth, but also by your word, by your, by your way of living. Let them see that it really did make a difference. You know what you'll find? You'll find God will use you greatly, and so what if we never know it on this side of heaven? The day will come. God remembers, and God will have it down, and it is worth it. It is worth it to live for God. So today, I just ask you, are you blind? Are you short-sighted? Have you forgotten that you have been saved? Well, maybe you can't say that because you never have trusted Christ. Settle it. Settle it today by faith and trust Him. And if you have, and you've been blinded and you're short-sighted, well, stop. Put on the glasses. Wake up to the truth of God's Word and live according to it and find his blessings to be enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Peter and, Lord, this letter that he gave us is eye-opening to remind us in his last days what was truly important to him. It was important to him that he encouraged believers to continue to walk and be faithful to you. And so, Father, that's what we ask today. Each one sitting here would be encouraged to do exactly that, to walk and to be faithful and honorable to you. Listen to your word and know your will and live according to what it says. And Father, whatever the issues are in people's lives, I pray today that they would see what needs to be done in their hearts and lives and Lord, give them the courage and the wisdom to know what to do and whether they need to change something or just need to start doing something and, or do something differently, whatever, I pray that you will show them and that, Lord, they'll leave it here today and get it right with you, make that commitment with you today and that, Father, you will bless them and guide them and use them to make a difference in someone else's life for eternity. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask your blessings upon this time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. His name shall be praised. Let us praise him, not only with our words, but through our way that we are living. And let's make sure that there's something you need to deal with. Now's the time to do so. One last opportunity. 882, if you need a hymnal, let's all stand. And let's sing through this a couple of times, and we'll be dismissed. His name 
shall be praised. His name shall be praised. His name shall be praised. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun until the day is done. His name, his name shall be praised. 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 praised. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun till the day is done. His name, his name shall be praised. Can we get back to normal next week? Thank you. Uh, (laughs) God bless you guys. Let's go out and have a great day. Love to see you back here for Revelation 6 tonight. Uh, Five o'clock. God bless. Have a great day.